It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Our approach to tackling coronavirus is to prepare for the worst and work for the best. You need a totally different style of leadership. It's not enough to have a plan. You need to be testing, testing, testing. Britain and the EU, do they want to be seen as locking horns on an issue such as a no-deal Brexit when the economy is going to be suffering and people's lives are going to be facing so much disruption? Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. We're still here. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now we're looking into, inevitably, that rather startling announcement by Boris Johnson last night, speaking to the nation, severe new restrictions on movement in a bid to combat the outbreak of the virus. People can now only leave home for shopping, for one form of exercise a day, for a medical appointment or to help a vulnerable person. They can also go to work, but only if absolutely absolutely necessary. Well, the Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove has explained why now is the right time. Judgments can be formed now. Uh, Judgments will be formed um, in due course. I think the most important thing now, though, is to do everything that we can as individuals in our communities and in government to follow the steps which will limit the spread of this disease. And get this, Roger, for once, politicians aren't bickering the strict new measures, getting broad political support. Here's Shadow Health Secretary John Ashworth. This is about saving lives. This is a really, really serious virus. People are dying and more people, sadly, are going to die. So we have to take these measures and they have to be enforced properly. Right, well, let's bring in for more on this Bloomberg's UK government reporter, Joe Mays. I mean, it's a slightly, I'd say, bizarre scenario right now, Joe. I've just seen on on my Twitter feed Michael Gove and Piers Morgan debating over whether children of separated parents can move between their various homes. I mean, it's not, um, I mean, it may be draconian, but it's not exactly a straight down the line totalitarianism, is it? <laughs> Not quite. And Mr. Gove was trying to stress this morning that there are some exemptions to these rules in particular cases. And who's being grilled? What about electricians? What about plumbers? What about construction workers? Can they still go to work? So I think there's still a bit of a lack of understanding and lack of clarity around at the moment. But clearly, these are difficult measures to impose and lots of work to come to to get a message out there so people will comply. And Joe, how are they going to enforce this? Because uh, I think we all remember they've cut all the police. Indeed. So we have seen reductions to police numbers in recent years. So this will be a challenge. The model of policing in the UK is by consent normally. So to have a more, as, as Roger was saying, perhaps authoritarian approach might be required. If there are you know, gatherings occurring, police having to tell them to break up, what those people don't comply, that will be difficult. And as you say, resources are limited in the police. So quite a challenge here. And a lot of it will just depend on people complying with these rules voluntarily. 
And, and, and what they have said is that people who absolutely have to go to work will. But that's a bit vague, isn't it? I mean, who who is in this instance a key worker and who isn't? Yes, and the government has published a kind of background document where they list the they give a bit more detail about the kind of business that should be closed and those with cards. So some businesses that can remain open, including things like news agents and post offices and uh, garages and petrol stations. But as, as I was saying earlier, like, like construction workers, for example, should they still be going to uh, build on site? Or if you're an electrician or a plumber, are you allowed to go and do a call-out for an emergency for someone? These are areas where I think the government needs to give more clarity. All right, Joe, thanks so much. That's Joe Mays there, Bloomberg's UK government reporter. Well, let's bring in somebody who is being very busy while the rest of us are sat at home going stir crazy. It's YouGov's political research manager, Chris Curtis. Chris, you've done a load of research into what people think about these measures and about how the government is getting on. Um, and the bottom line is overwhelming public support. It's not just the politicians who agree on this. 93% of Brits, you found, back these measures. Yeah, and I think... In our world of political research and and polling, you'd call that sort of crazy high levels of support for a policy. You very, very rarely see 93% support for anything that we ever test. So this is is really high support for the public for this measure, just like there's been high levels of support for a lot of the measures uh, the government have put forward so far, including what we were seeing last week with closing schools or pushing social distancing and self-isolation. But delving into that more deeply, I mean, is it, is it possible to get a sense whether earlier there was a feeling that the government hadn't acted fast enough, whether at perhaps the earlier stages there was a, a feeling that, people, that the government were dithering perhaps in comparison to some of their European peers? A little bit of that. I mean, the public have generally been a little bit ahead of where the government are. So the public have generally tended to support imposing policies maybe a couple of days before when the government has ended up putting them forward and and actually imposing them. But, you know what, everything is moving so fast here that I'm I'm not sure that the public really think the government has been moving too slow, has been moving too fast. And broadly speaking, what we've seen is overwhelming support, not just for the policies that the government has put in place, but the government themselves. We've seen massive increases in levels of support for the government and for Boris Johnson. Personally, Boris Johnson's favourability numbers this morning, for example, are as high as they have been in a very long time. Other politicians inside the government, Rishi Sunak, uh, Sunak, the Chancellor specifically, is seeing overwhelming levels of support. I think at this moment in time, he's probably one of the most popular politicians in Britain. So yes, maybe there's some criticism here and there, but broadly speaking, the public are getting behind this government and getting behind what they're doing. But are they actually following the rules? I saw some of your polling from last week with staggering numbers of people saying they wouldn't self-isolate even if they had coronavirus symptoms. So, I mean, firstly, it's worth bearing in mind that the overwhelming majority would. But there is a a small minority, somewhere around uh, one in 10, one in 20, who, who do take that quite extreme position. What we tend to notice is that they are... Let's be honest with it. They're, they're more likely to be men who are saying things like that. And we did see lots of people over the weekend who were going out and were breaking the rules. But despite that fact, it's a small minority and the overwhelming majority were following the rules. But the overwhelming majority still support these even stricter measures that the government's now put in place. Why, why men, do you think? Oh, I mean, there's, there's loads of reasons to speculate. I mean, you sort of, in, in a lot of the polling, uh, that you do, you you see quite significant gender differences like this. Men, for example, are riskier. Uh, just as, as people, they tend to take more risky decisions than women. And obviously, when we're talking about health, that's one thing. 
And also they're harder to shape. So when you talk about how much people care about what others think, you know, a lot of what the reason people are following the rules at the moment is because they're worried about being judged by their friends and colleagues if they're going out and socialising. Men are a little bit harder to shave than women are, or at least our data indicates that. So I think those two things together might be some of the reasons why men are slightly less likely to follow the rules than women. And what about the age profile? Because I think that's interesting. I mean, people would have seen pictures of London parks full, perhaps even the tube trains also full, mainly of young people. I mean, how does the age thing work in terms of the way people think about these things? So the age thing isn't as dramatic as the gender thing. There's some effect of it, but actually when you get sort of below the very old, there, you know, obviously the, 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 the over 65s, for example, and particularly the over 70s, uh, are following the rules a lot um, closer than the government are, I suppose partially because they're a lot more likely to face consequences health-wise if they don't. But actually when you get below that, there isn't a massive um, age effect. It is mostly that gender effect and also to a certain extent an education effect. So those people that have been to university, for example, seem to be far more likely to follow the rules than those who haven't. Those two things are a lot stronger than, than the age divide. Uh, and Chris, do people think this is important? Do they think it's necessarily enforceable? Because, as I was saying earlier, we've had a big cut to police numbers and just the culture of being stopped outside in the same way that you're seeing in France, where they have to carry little slips to say where they're going or that they're in good faith leaving the house to do something crucial. That's really not something that we recognise here in Britain in 2020. Yes. So while, while the public have overwhelming support for the policy, there is a lot more division when it comes to enforceability. So 39% of the public think that the new powers that have been given to the police are sufficient. 39% think they're not sufficient and the rest say they don't know. So the public are a lot more cynical. I mean, this is, this is the way we're seeing the debate heading today. And likewise, the public are a lot more cynical about, about how enforceable this policy will be. And what about the political allegiance question? Because, I mean, it's interesting. You said at the top that it's, you know, that the support is right across the board. You're talking about support in the 90s for what the government's doing and very high support for Boris Johnson. But how does it break down in terms of the way people usually vote and perhaps their future voting intentions at this stage? So, I mean, the, 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 the opinion polling we have seen, for what it's worth, is showing the Conservatives up considerably. And also Boris Johnson's numbers, the government's numbers, a lot of the increase has come from Labour voters because obviously most Conservatives were already supportive of this government. And now there's also a, a chunk of people who voted Labour that have moved in that direction as well. The real question with well, yeah, well, when we move on to that topic, though, is sustainability. You have what we call the rally round the flag effect, where you tend to see in a crisis some short-term bounces and in some cases quite dramatic short-term bounces for the governing party and leading politicians. The, the, most, the, the most stark example of this in recent times is in the US after 9-11 when Bush's favourability numbers basically jumped up from 50% to 90% overnight after, the, um, after the, the tragic event at the Twin Towers. To a certain extent, we are seeing a smaller amount of this happening again now. But just because you're seeing the short-term bounce, there's no reason to believe um, that that will sustain into the long term. And actually, the interesting thing will be, how can the government sustain this support, sustain this um, over, the ter uh, over the length of this crisis, particularly given we're expecting this to go on for quite a long time?
Well, that's exactly the issue, isn't it? Because the messages from the government is that we're going to review this in three weeks. Boris Johnson talking about potentially this lasting three months, 12 weeks. And what we've seen from from China and from the estimates around when we're going to get a vaccine is that this could go on for much, much longer. Do you have any sort of indication around whether people are going to be able to stick to this? Because your polling so far suggests that they're fairly relaxed about being able to do this. They think it's relatively easy. But is that going to play out yeah. the same along the, uh, on a longer time span? Yes, I mean, this is a really interesting question. So the public at the moment are telling us that 66% of the public at the moment say they think it will be easy to follow the rules. Now, this is something that I'm going to be tracking over the next few weeks because I'm massively cynical about whether that's going to hold up. Uh, you know, after a few weeks living with the kids, after a few weeks living with the partner, being driven a little bit mental, staying inside and not really being able to get out of the house, how easy will the public be finding it then? I mean, it's difficult to tell. You know, we've never lived through something like this before. We've never really had polling data that I can look back on and tell you whether this is going to change. But we're going to continue tracking this and we're going to see if it does. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at some of the other stories making the news. And the first comes from the Metropolitan Police. The chairman of the Met Police Foundation has cast doubt on officers' ability to deal with the lockdown. He addressed the nation uh, yesterday, of course, the Prime Minister, saying that if people don't follow the new rules, they will be able to be fined by uh, £30 is the figure that we're hearing. Uh, the Met Chair Ken Marsh saying that the lockdown plans will be very difficult. He was already seeing a large amount of sickness among officers in London, as you might imagine. And uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan also urging people not to add pressure on the police. These rules aren't optional. These are instructions that we've got to follow. And if we don't follow them, this virus will spread faster. If we don't follow them, people will die. So only if there are exceptional reasons should you be leaving your home. I'm quite clear. Uh, I'd rather the police and the council weren't spending time enforcing these instructions. But if people don't follow the instructions, they will enforce them. The Daily Mail writing that if people aren't able to follow these rules, if police can't enforce them, the army could be brought in instead. And then the Great Dissenter Sports Direct confirming now that it won't open its shops to the public. Politicians had hit out with the retailer for saying that it would keep stores open after the Prime Minister ordered all non-essential shops to close. Labour's chairman went as far as telling the owner, Mike Ashley, to quote, take some responsibility and shut up shop. The store argued that selling sporting and fitness equipment makes the company a vital asset during a national shutdown. Hope you're all getting out for your one bit of exercise a day. Mike Ashley's Fraser's Group, which owns Sports Direct and Evans Cycles, wrote to all workers within half an hour of the decision yesterday to shut down all non-essential retailers. And let's bring you a piece from the uh, Daily Mirror. In fact, their opinion piece reacting to what Boris Johnson had to say. 
In a fairly hard-hitting piece, they say, accused of hesitancy and dithering, the Prime Minister stopped short of ordering people to stay in their homes, and many of the proposals may lack the clarity which has proved a gaping hole in his reaction to the pandemic. The truth is, governing like policing, the mirror says, relies on consent, and these measures will only be effective if the vast majority of people agree to abide by them. What the government's most desperately lacked in this crisis is clarity. Time isn't on our side in a pandemic, and a huge, consistent, sustained advertising campaign is urgently required to press home what people must and must not do. Let's see it, Mr Johnson, the mirror says, and let's see it now. All right, well, let's stick with this topic. Let's bring in James Murray, Labour MP for Ealing North. James, I've got to start with what I think is the big story of the day, really, or the big question of the day. Are the powers really here to enforce this major lockdown? The Prime Minister himself acknowledging that the police is understaffed. I think there's going to be a real problem with the understaffing of the police because obviously police, like everyone else, are going to be affected by the coronavirus and they will have to self-isolate um, or stay at home. Um, I think what that really underscores is that this response is going to be driven by people coming together and doing it through their adherence to the rules which are set down. You know, this is not going to be something which is enforceable on a mass scale. This means that everyone in the country has to play their part and follow the rules. Now, I think what that then means for me is that the rules need to be absolutely clear. Um, and I saw an opinion poll come out this morning which said that people overwhelmingly back um, this response. People overwhelmingly want to do the right thing, uh, but it does mean that the advice which is given out to the public needs to be very clear, very firm, very direct, in, in language that people understand, accessible to everyone right across the country, uh, to make sure that people can follow it. And I think that is what has been lacking up until now, and we need to see some very, very rapid progress on it. Which is very much, obviously, what the Daily Mirror line w was putting out there. But an interesting fact in this, James, it does seem to be in the capital in many ways that, that people have been ignoring it more. I mean, tube trains reportedly still quite packed this morning. So if people simply won't do it, surely there has to be, you know, maybe some arrest, something that brings it home to people. I think enforcement will play a role, but I think that being practical on the scale that we're going to need adherence to these rules, it has to be done through people... Uh, following the rules themselves. You know, I think enforcement will play a role. Um, people do have to follow them, and I think people have to uh, have very clear rules that they can follow. Now, we know that London is a, is a particularly difficult uh, place uh, to follow the rules, given that you know, everyone lives in quite uh, you know, uh, a, a dense city already. People have to travel to work. People um, do a lot of essential services within the city. They live in one place in London work in another. Uh, we know that a lot of that makes it a, a lot harder. It is important that people exercise their their good uh, adherence to to the rules through their own initiative and through their own uh, their own uh, starting. Um, but it is also important that the rules are absolutely clear from government because I don't. I think it's. I think people want clear rules. I think people want very clear rules about what social distancing means. You know, I've seen quite a lot of conversation, uh, which I think is really relevant to this, with, about the term social distancing being a bit vague. Uh, you know, what we need uh, from now on is very clear rules about what that means in practice. And I think we're starting to see that a bit. You know, go out once a day maximum for exercise, only go out if you're buying food or medication or helping someone vulnerable. You know, those kind of rules start making social distancing something a bit more real uh, rather than abstract term. Uh, but it needs to be given out much more broadly than just a 
a press conference or a statement by the Prime Minister on TV. You know, this needs to be uh, advertising right across all channels. It needs to be uh, on Facebook and Twitter and, and websites that people are checking. You know, it needs to be on any uh, billboards which can be changed electronically. You know, it needs to be right across the piece so that people understand what it means in practice. And, and as I say, I think if the rules are very clear, we stand a much better chance of people uh, through their own willingness adhering to them. And it sounds like we do have a big public information campaign on its way. But the paradox is that you've got the tube running a limited service, which is understandable given that people are working from home and people shouldn't be using the tube anyway. But then you have these key workers who do still need to get to work to be able to keep the part of the country running uh, that is still going uh, as it is. But the problem is if they're all mingling with each other, then you run the risk of taking out all these essential people. How do you square that circle? Do we have to think about other ways of getting people to work? I sort of draw on your experience as uh, as a deputy mayor for London on this. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the rules are very clear about people should be working from home wherever they can. And I think some of the government's uh, guidance still needs to be clearer. So, for instance, construction workers... Um, the government has said that construction work can carry on, uh, but people should ex- should observe social distancing rules on construction sites. Now, uh, you know, I don't understand how that's going to work in a lot of situations, keeping that degree of social distancing. And certainly uh, most people who are working on construction sites are going to have to travel quite a significant distance to work, you know, using, using the tube in most cases. So I think the government needs to think very carefully about what they what they say next. I think construction is obvious category of work where they need to make sure that people are not going unnecessarily uh, out to work to do construction, which could otherwise be halted. Obviously, that means the government needs to put in place measures to support the income of those people, because a lot of people working in the situation will be low paid in casual work. And so they need to make sure uh, that people are getting enough to live on and need to make that a lot clearer. Um, but I think, you know, right across the piece, uh, this is about very clear messaging from government uh, and about making sure that everyone plays their part and can follow those rules. Well, one of the sort of clear messages, I guess, is from seeing what our own leaders and politicians are doing. Parliament is still functioning. Um, I mean, I take on board that, that MPs are sitting in certain distance from each other, but inevitably in a busy building like that, uh, it's a strong possibility that the virus could uh, be, be caught. Isn't it time perhaps to say, let's suspend Parliament? So Parliament obviously plays a, a very important role in challenging the government about what they are doing, which has proven to be quite vital, given the government has appeared to change their, 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 their tactics or certainly... Uh, do their you know, change the way that they're uh, they're bringing forward different measures because of the pressure which has been put on by people in Parliament and by the public. You know, I I myself I spoke to my my doctor uh, last week uh, because I take a series of medications for a medical condition I have, and he was clear that someone uh, given the medications I'm on, I should be at home. You know, I shouldn't be there in Parliament. And the wits in Parliament were very understanding of that advice and immediately said, yes, go home and, and, and operate from home. So I've been operating with my colleagues who are able to be in Parliament, you know, speaking with them uh, electronically or over the phone, um, putting in questions that way, uh, joining uh, letters or amendments to the coronavirus bill and so on. So there are still ways that MPs like myself, even when uh, we're not able to be there physically, uh, can hold the government to account. So I think but you can't vote, can you, for example? That, that's a problem, isn't well, it? Well, there haven't been any votes anyway on the coronavirus bill. Um, and I think that, you know, given the government's majority, um, it's quite rare for, for oppositions to win votes uh, with the majority that the government has. Um, I think that in this kind of situation, it's as important to, to challenge and to publicly raise issues. So, for instance, I'm on the 
um, Health and Social Care Select Committee. Now, last week, I wasn't able to be there uh, because of uh, the situation I just described. Um, but fortunately, the chair uh, received, was willing, to, it was, it was uh, good of him to receive written questions from me, which he then asked on my behalf. Now, some of those questions which he asked were asking the uh, NHS bosses, you know, when do you, don't you think these rules should be mandatory rather than advisory? And the NHS bosses said, look, if people aren't following these in a couple of days or in a few days' time, then, then clearly they need to be escalated. Now, that's an important um, statement from the NHS bosses to have out there um, in public and driving the public debate on it. Um, it's, it, 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 it's, it really you know, exposes how outdated Parliament is, that we can't yet have a select committee meetings through uh, video conferencing, that it has to, you have to physically be present in order to ask a question. You know, it's, not, it's not even so much just about the MPs, but it's all of the witnesses and all the staff and so on who you're putting at risk by forcing to be there physically in person. Um, and I really hope that the rules of that parliament will be changed as a matter of urgency so that we can continue that role of holding the government to account at this crucial time, mm. uh, but not put ourselves and, you know, crucially, all the staff and everyone else who works to keep parliament functioning um, at risk. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.